Back in July of this year, I was invited by Answers in Genesis to join an invitation-only group of Christian leaders for a trip down the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon. The trip was a seven-day journey through the massive rock walls of the Grand Canyon that covered some 200 miles of the Colorado River. We slept on the side of the river each night under the stars, ate amazing food cooked in an iron Dutch oven, fished for rainbow trout, and enjoyed great conversations with other professors and leaders of Christian organizations. Each day we would take hikes up side canyons and explore rock layers and fossil records as John Whitmore, a professor and geologist, would explain the significance of what we were seeing at various points. Each evening, we would circle up together after supper, and Terry Mortensen of Answers in Genesis, or Bill Barrick, who is a semi-retired Hebrew and Old Testament professor, would speak to us from God's Word. What I experienced on this journey was breathtaking. I have never struggled with the historicity of Genesis 1 through 11, the miracles of Genesis 1 through 2, or the judgment of God in a global flood as recorded in chapters 6 through 9 of Genesis. But as I flew out of the Grand Canyon on the seventh day by helicopter, I was reminded of how important the beginning of our Bible is and why we as Christians should take it seriously. Evolution is a multi-tiered theory that involves cosmological evolution, geological evolution, and biological evolution. Darwinian evolutionary theory dates everything that you see in the millions, even billions of years. According to the evolutionists and their Big Bang theory, the age of the universe is estimated to have evolved over 14 to 17 billion years. Contemporary findings from the Hubble Space Telescope have prompted astronomers to reduce their evaluations of the universe's age to a range between 8 to 12 billion years. For many years, Darwinian evolutionary theory has been the dominant storyline within the sphere of secular education. Science books have been teaching a false theory as fact while openly denying the teaching of Scripture for a very long time. This is why today the primary belief of our society is that our world evolved into existence over the last 8 to 12 billion years. While you might expect secular unbelievers to openly deny Scripture on a university campus, figures like William Lane Craig and others have become a threat within evangelical circles. Did you know that only one educational institution within the Southern Baptist Convention actually has a stated position of young earth creationism? We have witnessed attacks on the literal and historical record of Genesis among Christians for years. The gap theory was popularized by C.I. Schofield in his once popular study Bible. In recent years, pastor, author, and apologist Tim Keller denied the literal record of the creation account by claiming that God could have used evolution to bring about His creation. The church has been bombarded with all sorts of theories, such as the gap theory, theistic evolution, the framework hypothesis, and progressive day-age creationism that all attempt to blend God's sovereignty with evolutionary theory and attempt to accommodate the secular culture. They take the Hebrew word day, yom, in Genesis 1-5 as repeated all throughout the creation account and claim that it should be interpreted differently 
than Genesis 8.22 or Exodus 20 verses 8 through 11. In Genesis 8.22 and in the Exodus account, the word yom translated day is to be taken as a literal 24-hour period of time, while in Genesis 1, the word yom should be interpreted as a very long period, even millions or billions of years. Not only is this a perverted method of biblical interpretation that does violence to the text of Scripture, these theories make God appear to be weak. Did God need billions of years to do it, or could He speak light into existence and form the universe in an instant by the power of His spoken Word? Anytime we cast doubt upon the literal record of God's miraculous work in Genesis, we open the gates to the ancient dragon, an enemy of God. Every time that you hear a politician, a professor, or a pastor referring to the age of the earth as being millions and billions of years, hear that as a direct assault upon the word of the living God. Recently, Dr. William Lane Craig has published a book titled In Quest of the Historical Atom, in which he argues that the historical atom was real, literal, and historical, but at the same time mythical. In his book, he argues for a man named Adam, but claims that the details recorded in Genesis 2 and 3 about the origin of mankind and the nature of their fall and sin are what he terms as mytho-history, which denies the literal historical narrative of Genesis. In an interview with Christianity Today, Dr. Craig explains his positions by saying, quote, history is a narrative concerning real people and events. And so a mytho-history would be a sort of fusion of the two, a narrative concerning real people and events told in the language of myth in order to ground a culture's identity and institutions in events of the primordial past, end quote. Dr. Craig claims that the text of Genesis contains fantastic elements as those which, if taken literally, are so extraordinary as to be palpably false." End quote. In other words, if you claim that Genesis is literal, you deny the real message of the book. To suggest that Dr. Craig is casting a shadow of doubt upon the miracles of Genesis would be an understatement. This is a direct and vicious assault upon the text of Scripture and the historical record that God has provided us at the very opening pages of sacred scripture. The Bible is not a science book. Our God created the laws of nature, so it's not a science textbook, but rather a book that unveils who God is and what God has done and continues to do in His creation. However, science is not opposed to the Bible, and the Bible is not opposed to science. You can't measure a miracle by science but you can observe the aftermath scientifically and see evidence of the miracles such as the rock layers laid down by the global flood. To suggest that historical narrative cannot contain records of God's literal actions that happen to be extraordinary and miraculous is to deny the trustworthiness of God's Word altogether. Such a claim is merely an echo of the words of Satan to Eve. Did God say? The Bible begins with a miracle, and the Bible closes with the anticipation of a miracle. If a professor or a pastor casts doubt upon the miracles in Genesis, it's likely that he can tempt you to deny the miracles in Luke or Revelation, too. 
If the ancient dragon can tempt you to reject the literal and historical record of the first Adam, he might tempt you to reject the literal and historical record of the last Adam, Jesus Christ. Thomas Jefferson enjoyed reading the Bible, but he rejected the miracles. He literally took a razor knife and cut the miracles out, leaving behind the moral teaching of Jesus. His version of the Bible is on display in the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History, officially called The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth, but most people know it as the Jefferson Bible. We must guard against cutting and pasting the Bible to fit our own opinions. We would not dream of treating the Constitution of the United States in this manner, so why would we dare approach the Word of God with such a destructive hermeneutic? There is a battle over the beginning of Scripture, and the church must be resolved to remain steadfast and immovable on this foundational doctrine, the beginning of the Bible matters.